Matthew 13, we'll, we'll read the parable, and then we'll read the section where he defines the parable. Matthew 13, let's pick up in verse 3. And he spake many things unto Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But, the, but other fell into good ground, brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, look, now let's listen to Jesus interpret to us his own parable, verse 18 through 23. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Chapter 13, verse 19 now. Notice, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation and persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. So that received seed among thorns, is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So how many of you have a garden? Who has a garden in here? All right. How many of you actually are trying to grow something in the garden? Trying to. Okay. How many of us have weeds in the garden? At least even if they're just sprouting up, Brian's like, oh, you got more weeds than other stuff, don't you, Brian? <laughs> yeah? Yeah, we have a few little weeds sprouting up, don't we, in our little garden? Those little, we don't actually, there's this tree that, li- there's this tree that lives next to us. <laughs> there's these neighbors that live next to us, and they have these trees, and they just spawn, and we call them the wicked tree, because they just grow quickly. It's like a, just an overgrown weed. And they sometimes fall in our garden and they sprout. And we try to pluck those things out of there, you know. But you, what do you got to do? You got to weed your garden, right? If you want something to grow, you got to weed your garden. Otherwise, there'll be, it'll hinder growth. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus mentions four soils. He tells this parable and everybody's like, well, that's interesting. Okay. He tells about seeds falling on hard ground and doesn't grow. The birds take it. Seed falling on stony ground where there's a little dirt, but... There's stone underneath, and then it sprouts, and nothing really becomes of it because the sun cooks it, and it was never really—it proves it was never really rooted or received. 
Then he tells about this third one we're going to look at today that it plants, it grows up, but it never really bears fruit. And then he tells about the fourth one of good ground. It's open, it's tilled, it's, and the seed goes in and it grows. And Jesus interprets the parable that we read. He says this is like the person, they, they're basically like hard ground. It's just, it just comes and it's, they don't understand it. They don't understand, it just sits there. Some people willingly don't understand. Some people just don't understand, maybe because there's a spiritual blindness. Some people don't understand, perhaps because they just are, uh, there's just not that capacity. But the seed falls on the ground. It didn't go in. It just stayed there. And uh, Jesus said there's people like that. They hear how to be saved. They hear the gospel, the, the word of the kingdom, how to have eternal life and be in God's kingdom. And it just like sits there on hard ground. And the devil comes along and goes, I'll take that from you. Just forget about that, you know. And he, he steals it from them. There's other people who make a false profession of faith. They're like that soil where you plant it. I'm like, oh, no, it's going to grow. But there's really something under the surface where it's, it's rock. There's a little bit of soil, but there's rock under the surface. It prevents that seed from germinating. And it, it seems to come up quickly. It does come up quickly, but the sun heats on it and it shrivels. And it's like, oh, you know what? That was never really rooted. And that's like a person who says they accept Christ. And they, there's some kind of joy in making, saying a prayer or giving a nod or going to an altar. And they seem to accept Christ. But it's only, but really underneath them, there was something hindering them from really having a journey in the faith. Maybe it was, there was some kind of reluctance or maybe they just went through it, um, the motions of a prayer or something. But what will prove if that was a real acceptance of Jesus Christ is a little persecution little bit of making fun of, a little bit of mockery. I was telling you, I think one of the best, I hate saying this, but one of the things that would prove really where we're at as a country as Christians is if we had some persecution. And I hate saying that, but it's just true. If we had a little persecution, if we had some tribulation, we'd find out who of us are really Christians because it'll show, you know, otherwise we're, um, perhaps we're just false converts. So Jesus talks about these four soils, and it seems like it's kind of worse from bad to you know, so the best. It gets a little better as you go along here. This next one we'll talk about today is the thorny ground. Thorny ground heart. Let's just talk about, let's picture now, let's just picture this soil experience of this third soil. He says, well, let's look what he says in the first time he said it, verse 7. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Now, he's talking about ground of dirt where um, it could have two different things here, but I'm going to take it as the thorns are not apparent yet. Seed goes down and it's watered. With good seed being watered, bad seed is being watered. And the, bad, the good seed grows, the bad seed grows faster. Usually thorns and weeds grow fast. Don't you notice that? Man, you're growing like a weed, kid. You know, that means you're growing fast. Weeds just pop up. And um, so it's talking about you plant something and it gets watered. Now, you, oh, I didn't, oh, there's weeds there. Okay. And weeds are growing too. When the weeds are growing close to your fruit, your vegetable, your grain or whatever, when weeds are growing close to that, it has a detriment upon that crop or that plant that you're trying to grow. Here's what it does. The 
it grows fast and it's drawing the nutrients fast. It's taking the phosphorus and potassium or whatever all that other stuff is in there. It's, uh, it's stealing it and taking it away from the roots that are down there that want to get some. And, um, and then not only that, it starts to crowd it by way of its actual presence. So the root that are whatever plant you have, they're, they're feeling the roots of this other um, weed. And then it can, it can start to hog the, it's hogging the space, but hog also the sunlight. And it's blocking, so it's, it's taking the nutrients, it's taking some space, and it's taking away the sun. Hey, man, you know, sometimes we're like, hey, I want some shade for us. But the plants are like, hey, I want some light. And the weeds, are, the weeds can take away from that. It keeps off the food. It can even, uh, it keeps off some of, the, some of the air even and the sun. The poor plant that you planted, whatever, whatever it is, tomato plant, becomes shriveled and weak and unable to produce the fruit which the sower expected. Jesus calls them thorns. A lot of weeds have thorns, or even, this, even if they're really those little round things that are like Velcro, you know. I think that's how they actually invented Velcro. I think they studied the microscopically what those look like. But anyway, I guess there's something good with weeds. But, um, but most of them have thorns. Even some of them doesn't look like you have thorns. You ever done that and you're pulling weeds? And you're like, oh, there's no thorns on this. You're like, man, how come that hurts right there? I didn't see a thorn on there. Well, that's one of the signs that you have a, a weed is that there are thorns. Um, but here, what's the deal? You plant something that you know is a seed, and it's supposed, to, it's supposed to produce something good, grow, and produce fruit that reproduce, that's you know, it's reproducing itself and fruit that people benefit from. But what hinders it is a weed, a thorn. Now, that's what we're talking about today. So it is with many Christians. Many people, they hear the gospel, they hear the word of God, they hear it. And let's just stay with the, the word of the gospel, the word of the kingdom. They hear it. Oh, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm a sinner. He's, he's sinless. I'm guilty. He's innocent. I'm man. He's the God-man. Um, uh, and He died in my place. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, I'll believe Him. I'll accept that gift, and we have eternal life. We've received the seed of the gospel. But there's people who that's what they've done, and they're genuinely saved, and that's about it. And they go about their Christian life, and it's just choked by other things. Let's talk about that further. Let's, I want to give five descriptions of what this heart really is like, this thorny ground heart. Let's describe it further in five descriptions. First of all, we're going to see a thorny ground heart is a hearer of the word. And by the way, let me say this, we are all one of us, all, all of us are, at, are one of these hearts today. You're either wayside, hard ground, you're stony ground where you, there's something really under the surface that you're resisting, or you are very, have good intentions, but you have all these weeds in your life that present, prevent you from growing, or you're just good ground, you're wide open to God, and you don't know of anything that's going to impede you um, accepting the Lord and being fruitful. What is this thorny ground heart? Is this me? Well, it is a hearer of the word, first of all. Notice what it says there, verse 22. He also that received seed among the thorns. Who is this? What does this resemble, or represent? It represents he that heareth the word. Well, first of all, it's a person who hears the word. I can be a hearer of the word 
lot of the Word, hear a lot of sermons, have a lot of Bible studies, um, and accept them and say, yeah, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. Oh, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. That's good preaching, preacher. Oh, it's good teaching, good class, good Bible study. You could be into a lot of sermon hearing, sermon tasting, Bible studies, and you're hearing the Word, you're hearing the Word, hearing the Word, hearing the Word. You can have a lot of that seed sown in your life, and you genuinely accept it and say, I believe that, but still not grow if there's weeds in your life. I know there's a lot of people we have. There's a, I've met a lot of Christians who have good intentions, like, I believe the Bible. I think you should go to church. And, I like, and, they, and they have all that, and they hear the Word, but there's no fruit to show from all that hearing. Think about, think about our own life. Think about our own life. How many of us probably have heard, you know, many of us probably have heard hundreds or thousands of sermons in our life? We need to. It's kind of like food. You got to, you know, you got to, we, we, um, we feed on that. We're nourished by hearing the word, feeding on it. But let's ask ourselves another question. What fruit do I have from all my sermon hearing? What fruit is there? Let's now allow us to find fruit, spiritually speaking. We know at least spiritually speaking, fruit represents at least two things. Um, to be a fruitful Christian would mean, according to John 15, that somehow I'm leading people to the Lord. I'm seeing conversions. That's fruit. If I'm helping people get saved, that's called spiritual fruit. Jesus said, um, you know, that, you should bear, that you'll bear much fruit. Another thing that spiritual fruit is in the Bible, it's also not just of conversions, but of character. In other words, you say, um, I am, if I am a fruitful Christian, one of the evidences of that would be my character. All right, John, pardon me, Galatians 5 says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's talking about character qualities, joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, I'm, I'm saying things that are, think about this, all those things I said, man, that's, that's div, that must be a, from a divine farmer. The Holy Spirit makes me to be loving like I ought to be and joyous. He farms that in my life and he cultivates peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness. I'm quoting to you Matthew 5, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. That's fruit. Am I loving? Do I have joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, peace, faith, meekness, temperance? Do I have that? If I do, it's a sign that, that I've been good soil and I'm letting the Holy Spirit have His way in my life. Is there um, in my life where I'm going after people, trying to help people be saved, seeing some conversions? That's a sign of fruit. So here's the deal. Just because I hear a lot of sermons and I have a lot of Bible studies doesn't mean that I have helped anybody be saved nor that I have any Christian character that's growing in me. And the reason why it may not be is because of weeds and thorns. And we'll look at exactly what that is. Jesus defines those weeds, at least two examples. So what, is a, what can a thorny ground uh, heart be? Well, first of all, it is a person who is a hero of the Word um, number two, like all soil, his heart is naturally susceptible to thorns. His heart is naturally susceptible to thorns. All of us, I'll just put it to you where we're at. All of us, our heart is naturally susceptible to bad things that want to grow in our heart and our character 
and bad things that want to choke out what's already good that's being sown in our heart and mind. Let me, let me play it to you this way. Let me give you an example. Uh, the Dorr family, they, they serve in Mexico right over here, uh, Navajoa, Sonora, Mexico. That area is called the Mayo Valley. Brother Dorr has told me a couple times, he said that is one of the most fertile uh, farmland in the world. He didn't say it was the most. He says it's one of the most fertile farming area in the world. Weren't, didn't we see a lot of, it seems like we saw a lot of fields, large fields when we were driving through there, Brother Jose. Um, but Brother, Brother um, Dorr is there. His ministry is there in that area, the Mayo Valley. And <laughs> he says, you know, it, 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 crops grow very well there. And he says it, they grow too well. Because remember what he told us last time he was here? We were kind of like embarrassed listening to it. They have a, their ministry has a property there. It's like, I don't know, five, ten acres. I can't remember what it is. Large property, and they have a children's home, a Bible institute, and, and uh, the church. But he says, uh, in fact, um, not far away from their property is a river. I remember on the one edge of their property, he says, on this one edge of our property, we get a lot of growth, and we get stuff we don't want growing there, like marijuana. He says, we're getting marijuana growing on our property. And he says, brother, we got to kill that. I don't know if they said they tried burning it last time. He says, we keep killing it, and it comes back. We don't know what's going on. I don't think he's, folks, I don't think he's one of those. You know, I don't think he's into the cannabis or making the, the Rice Krispie treats and giving them to the kids in the children's home. And, you know, the green Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> That's not Brother Door, you know. Um, but he says, we're trying to kill that stuff, and it keeps growing back. We're trying to kill it, it keeps coming back. Here's my point about this. Even the best soils will have competing vegetation. No matter how good you judge your heart soil to be, there will always be competition from unspiritual things. They have the best soil over here in the Mile Valley. But there are seeds, besides marijuana, there are seeds of other weeds there that when it gets watered, the good stuff grows, the bad stuff grows, and it wants to attack the good stuff. And with us, we're like, I, I, I'm trying to root my life out of bad things, and, you know, I don't want to be materialistic, and all these other sins I've rooted out. But, you know, uh, there, there's just sometimes seeds that fall in our heart, and they grow, and it chokes out the good thing you're trying to learn in church or in your devotions. Here's my point is, we are all naturally susceptible to thorns. Listen, we, we have this, my wife and I, we have these little garden things and these little planters, and we clean it up. There's no, there's no weeds in it. We plant our thing, we water it. We're like, hey, what, what did that, where'd that come from, you know? There's a weed coming up. And we're like, we didn't put that there, but when it does pop up, we have to just pull it out to weed our garden. And that's the same thing with us. We're susceptible to it. Number three, here's another thing. What is this? The third description about this thorny ground heart. He may have truly received salvation. Um, this is not talking about a person. I, I think it's talking a person, about a person who has accepted the gospel. So he has, let's just put it to you this way. He has truly received salvation. Look what it says. Um, verse 22, he received the seed among the thorns. He hears the word, the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. It doesn't say he dies or withers. He becomes unfruitful. 
So again, what is this talking about? This is picturing a person who accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior. But they just, let me just throw out an example. They just stay really carnal. They're, going, they're definitely going to heaven because they're not, because they accepted Jesus as their Savior, not because they made themselves spiritual. By the way, this is a time to magnify salvation by grace through faith, plus nothing. God doesn't save us. Listen to this. God doesn't save us based on how good of a Christian He sees we might be. The moment we're saved or years after, He's not going to save you and grant you eternal life based on how He sees, oh, well, how, what's He going to be like? No, it's not of works. He saves us based on our faith in His merit, our faith in His salvation, our faith in His Son. He sees you trust me, you accept that gift, you have eternal life. Whether you've been a good boy or not, that magnifies God's grace. God doesn't save us based on what kind of disciple He sees we might be. We may not be good disciples. It is the gift of God, not of works. John 1.12, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Didn't, it didn't say as many as received Him, plus did this and this and this, and was really, you know, showed that they're going to be a dynamic disciple. Then, no, you received Him, that's it. Acts 16, 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, period. Being sa- but, but let's clarify this person. Being saved is one thing. Receiving the seed, accepting Jesus as your Savior is one thing. But being saved and bearing fruit is another thing. So I want, I want that. I'm glad to be saved. I'm glad to have eternal life no matter how I live or no matter how, I, um, um, how honorable or, dis- or dishonorable my Christian life is. I'm glad that I'm saved. But you know what? I want to be fruitful. I want to be useful in, God, in this garden of this life. I want to be useful to God. I want to bear fruit to God, to God's glory, of good character that the Holy Spirit can produce, of souls one to the Lord, of other good works. I just want to give God fruit. Here, God, here's the fruit of my life. I've done this for you. I'm doing that. I'm trying to be loving. I'm letting your spirit create temperance in me. I, I want to give you this fruit. Lord, I want to give you my efforts in seeing this person saved. I want, to, I want that. I want to be a fruitful person. So um, how can that happen? Well, let's look at the, the next point. It's, we have to deal with the care of this world. We have, to, we have to root that out. So number four, this person's fruit is choked by the care of this world. Again, we're talking about what is a thorny ground heart? A thorny ground heart of, of several things is, is, a, is a person whose fruit, whose spiritual fruit is choked by what? The care of this world. It's right in your Bible there. Verse 22. He hears the word and the care of this world chokes the word. Just take that phrase, care of this world. The care of, what is the care of this world? The care of this world stops. Let's, let's pick the, the Christians, the plant. The Christians growing. What stops that Christian from growing and giving up a tomato for God? The care of this world, that thorn is planted next to him and it's sapping him. The roots are taking away the nutrients from underneath. The foliage of that weed is covering up the sun from that uh, tomato plant. And it's just preventing him really from producing a tomato. What is the care of the world, though? The world cares 
is an interesting word. This word came from a root word that means division, to divide. It means the distraction. It's the idea of somebody doing something and they're like, what's that? I mean, we do that driving, right? We're driving and we start caring about other things. Look at that guy. That guy cannot drive over there. You know, just kidding. We start driving. Instead of, we're supposed to care about our driving and we care about our phone or we care about, and we have to fight the cares around us. That's the idea. It's split attention. The care of this world, it says, though. The word world here is not meaning the word just, oh, people. Oh, I shouldn't care about people. It's not talking about the people. It's, it's the word we get the word ion, time. The care of this day and age, of this time period, is distracting. That's what's sapping away from the Christian. The care of this day and age, this day and time, choke. The word choke means to suffocate. To throng. When the Bible says in Luke 8, 42, when Jesus went, there was a place Jesus went, and it says the people thronged him. The word, it's the same word. They choked, in the sense, choked him of just like claustrophobic. If Jesus could have been claustrophobic, he would have been. I, I doubt he was. I mean, he was in the tomb, right? And wrapped up. But I'm saying that from the people's mind, they choked. And so the idea is um, things that come in that all the cares of this day and age, this is what he's talking about. The cares, the interests of this day and age, what do they do to the Christian? They come in and they choke. He's like, I'm claustrophobic. My Christianity doesn't fit in this day and age. I can't go in here and do this and do this and do this and this and have this account and have this thing. Man, Christianity is just in my way. That's how people, no, wait, they're in your way. The weeds are in your way. The care of this world is in the way of your Christianity. Your Christianity is not the problem of your life. The cares of the world are the problem of your life right now. On the Word of God, I say that. We'll be more fruitful if we can get just less care of this day and age aside. I know there's a minimal amount of things we have to address. I understand that. But the anxiety of this day and time can suffocate our Christian growth. That's what Jesus said. Let me ask you a question before we go to the next point. What do you care about? (coughs) What catches your eye? What's splitting your attention from being the Christian? Let me just put it to you this. What's splitting your attention from being the Christian that God, you know God wants you to be? I think that's what we should consider in light of this. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, 4, it says uh, about a soldier, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You know, a soldier, at least in that day and age, they stayed clean of this, all the issues of the civilian life. They didn't get entangled with it. They stayed focused on their, their superiors, their mission, and accomplishing that. Sometimes we get entangled. Paul talked about a man named Demas, 2 Timothy 4.10. Demas was a man who was a Christian, a man who helped Paul. But you know what happened? He stopped being fruitful. It says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. His, his mind was taken up with the cares of this world. How many of us, I remember this... <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, sometimes dad would watch Monday Night Football. This is probably when I was in sixth, seventh grade, maybe even earlier than that. We'd watch Monday Night Football. And Monday nights, I always had math homework. So I'm like, ah, Monday Night Football, math. Monday Night Football, math. And so I'd try it. I'd try it. I'm sitting on the couch with my math. I'm trying to do my math watching. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. You know. 
Anyways, and I'm trying to watch Monday Night Football and trying to do my math. And then it got to pre-algebra. I was like, man, that was the most fruitless, unfruitful experience. Because Monday Night Football won, you know. There's nothing wrong with watching that, you know. I'm just saying, I couldn't really, it was this math, working on this math was unfruitful. Even if I somehow fumbled my way through and got a few answers, I wouldn't even remember how I got them. And I've learned, I learned, maybe there's some other minds that are better than mine. I learned, I have to do Monday Night Football or do math in my room, not both. It's unfruitful. You know, I have to, you know, you, sometimes you, things that uh, split your attention and cause your experience to be unfruitful are like that. Uh, sometimes when I'm going out on a date with my wife, I have to like, all right, where am I sitting with the TV? I don't want to let the TV distract me. Unless she wants to sit next week, we can both watch the game. That'd be good. That's good. That's a good game. You know, but if it's like she's talking to me and I'm like, yeah, I'm watching the TV, that's unfruitful. <laughs> it's unfruitful. Do one or the other, but I can't do both. It's going to be unfruitful. Or, or, you know, this happens today. You, you kids know what I'm talking about, some of you that are older. You're trying to do your homework and your phone's there. Mm. What's that? Mm. It, you know, it vibrates. And that, it's like you keep getting your attention split and it's interrupted. You're, you're studying something. Oh, wait, hold on. What's that? It just keeps getting, it's an intermittent experience, and it becomes unfruitful. If you multitask on too many things, you're not going to remember the main thing that you were given to do, and it'll be unfruitful. It affects memory. In church service, sometimes when we come to church, you know, we're, we're sitting, now I'm not saying anybody's in here like this, I haven't scanned everybody today, but um, sometimes you come to church and we're distracted by our, you know, by our phone or by something else. And the experience can become unfruitful. Or play. I remember there's a guy who used to come to church here. He'd play games all the time on his phone. He was an adult man. And um, it didn't help him because he had a lot of other problems in his life. And, uh, or checking scores or whatever. Unfruitful experience. The care of this world. So think about our life. One of the reasons why maybe I'm not having any fruit in my life is that there's just other cares of this, of this world that are choking it out. If there is, root them out. Minimize the issues. Um, you know, I'm going to get to this at the end here. We just need to simplify our lives. I'm going to try to say that again at the end. Simplify our, the issues we have and the interests. Simplify them. All the more in this day and age. So last of all, what's another? The fifth and last description of a thorny ground heart. It's his fruit is not only choked by the care of this world, but it's choked by the deceitfulness of riches. Look at the verse, verse 22. The care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Now, notice it doesn't say this Christian, he becomes rich and that messes him up. It doesn't say that. <laughs> or he gets some wealth and that messes him up. That, that may or may not happen. God doesn't say there's something unspiritual about wealth or spiritual about being poverty there's, or having some poverty. There's no spiritual gauge put on poverty or wealth. It's what it's doing to your character. And here, Jesus says there's a lot of people who they've received the message of salvation. They're, they, they're wanting to uh, follow Christ, but there's a, in, there's a competing weed nearby. It's not riches. It's the, oh, the, the, their deceit, their deceived they are what's the word deceitful they are deluded there's a delusion that if i get rich then 
then this can happen, and then, and then this can happen, and then this can happen, and I'll be able to do this, and I'll be able to... And there's a delusion there that they are tricked by, and it begins to sap their attention away from walking with Christ and growing as a Christian and becoming you know, everything He wants you to be. The care of this world can do that, and the deceitfulness of riches can do that. I'm going to read you a long quote, but it's good. Bring a guest speaker into church today. How's that? For a moment, I'm going to let you have, hear from Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> let me read you something that he said on the, about this text and about the deceitfulness of riches. And then we'll, wind this, we'll uh, wrap this up. He says, You may perceive the deceitfulness of riches if you note the excuses which people make for getting so much and withholding it from the cause of God. Some say, well, they intend to do a great deal of good with it. Ah, but did you hear the devil laugh? I am not speaking of the many dear brethren in this place. This is from his sermon. Speaking of many dear brethren in this place who are doing a great good of deal, great deal of good with their means, but I am speaking of those who are simply living to accumulate wealth, and I say that they will one day do a great deal, and say that they will one day do a great deal with it. They say so. Will it ever be more than a saying? I fear that in this thing, many rich people deceive themselves. They go on accumulating the means, but never using them. Making bricks, but never building. All they will get with it will be a corner in the illustrated London news back in his day to say that they died and were worth such and such amount of money. Sirs, how can you be content thus to have your good things choked? Wherever this deceitfulness of riches is allowed, the upper hand, it chokes a good seed. As the body grows rich, the soul grows poor. He's just trying to encourage his congregation to not be deceived by the pursuit of riches. So here's what I'd like to, I want to ask a few questions. We'll wrap this up. Are you saved? Have you really received the seed of the gospel? The message that Jesus is the Savior and we're sinners. He died on a cross and rose from the dead. If you put your faith in Him, you'll be saved from the consequences of your sins. That's a gift. If you've received that, then you have the most important thing dealt with. But then, are you fruitful? Are you fruitful? I'm going to give just, I want to say these four quick things, pastoral advice that helps help us where we are at today. We should simplify our life. My wife and I are always trying to, fighting to simplify our schedule and our, even the stuff in our house. Simplify your life. Sometimes the, the weeds are just busyness. Simplify your life and your schedule. Number two, focus when you're in church. Focus when you're in your personal devotions or Bible study. Focus. Put your phone away. You know, I mean, some of you may, that's, how you, that's what you use for your, for your Bible or whatever. That might, may or may not work, but focus. Number three, create margins of time in your life. Create margins of time. Something without margins on a piece of paper is messy. You ever had a, I mean, I used to be like this taking notes when I was in college. I just filled out, I wanted to get it all on paper, like so I can just have it there, you know. Take notes and I'd write down the side and this and this. And I'm like, man, that is messy. It's just, ugh, I don't even like looking at it now. And when you try to turn in a paper to a teacher, you don't respect the margin. She's like, what is this, you know. You know, you got to respect the margins. It gives you, it's just not even, it's kind of stressful looking at it. 
You know, we need margins of time. I, I've learned that where, man, I wanted to be like, okay, at 6.30, I'm done. At 6.35, this is where I'm at, and this is what I'm doing. You know, and I, and I sometimes create too tight of uh, margins. I think creating margins of time helps, will help you in your Christian life something to grow. And then last of all, prioritize your soul, not just your body and your flesh. Prioritize your soul. What Jesus is talking about is the, the growth of a person spiritually here. So the bottom line is we need to weed our garden if we're going to see spiritual growth. That's what Jesus is teaching us today. Weed your garden. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this simple illustration. And we need it. I know I need it. I want to get rid of the weeds. Competing interests that are not part of the main issue of my life. And we know the world is filled, especially the American world, is filled in this day and age with cares of all sorts. We're supposed to care about every last thing and product and and event and everything. It just really saps us. Lord, help us to have discernment to see what is really necessary, what is really needed for me to care about around me and not let an abundance of care sap me from growing in my character, in my, in my uh, um, Christian walk. Help me to weed out those things. And my friends here help them to do the same. And the, even the idea that the interest in and the deceitfulness of riches. Help us with that, Lord. And help us to be a fruitful plant for you to produce something that glorifies you spiritually. Bless my friends here today in this moment of prayer. I ask in Christ's name, amen.